Hey, Chuck. Hey, Pamster. What's up? Not much besides my leg being elevated. Elevated? What, is that a good step? Oh. See what I, did. See, see what I, I did see what you did there. Yeah, you're huh? good. Welcome back to the Real Talk with Chuck and Pam Comedy Hour, um, starring Chuck Kaplinski as our major comedian. The longest um, hour you'll ever waste. It'll be <laughs> Ticket prices are low, low, free. <laughs> and overpriced at that. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We really appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten via emails and messages on Facebook about our show. We appreciate you listening, first of all. And we do enjoy hearing your feedback. So keep those comments coming. And tell your friends. And tell your friends, share, 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 always share, share, share. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of different YouTube things about movies. Right. And we're not your traditional or typical movie reviewers that get the gazillion billion views. And you know what the difference is, Chuck? Tell me. We're real. Oh, you mean talent? <laughs> we're not putting on any superficial. And here we are today. We're going to tell you all about the new Renfield movie starring Nicolas Cage. Oh my God, that's exhausting to listen to, let alone do. And so, you know what? We are what we are. You get what we are. And we hope you like it because that's who we are. So we'll, keep it, we'll, huh? keep it, we'll keep it real and stay in obscurity. <laughs> we will. We will. Okay, so well. let's let's start off with, um, I am really curious to hear, you are the movie monster guru. I, I hold you in the highest regard with that, along with um, Westerns. So I'm super excited to hear what you have to say about Renfield, because Renfield is a derivative of a monster movie. Take us the back first, in time. The first, actually what is considered the first horror film on American soil. You realize we get the term horror film from the poster for 1931's Dracula. Didn't know that. Tell me yeah, more. The tagline, it says, a true horror show. And from then on, after Universal began producing these consistently, those movies became known as horror films. And that's where we get the name for the genre. Very good. Interesting. So we fast forward from 1931 to what year? Uh, well, let's stick with 1931 because Renfield uh, is a character that's introduced in the play of Dracula. It's, he's not in the novel. Uh, and that play was what was adapted in 1931. Uh, by Todd Browning, starring Bram, uh, starring Bella Lugosi, and the reason I mention that is because Renfield takes some scenes from that film and inserts Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt in the roles of Dracula and Renfield, and they're really kind of cool. They're really kind of cool the way they do them, uh, and I, I thought it was a perfect homage to the original source material. Okay. Uh, as we know, Renfield serves uh, Dracula. I guess the term that is used is he's his familiar. Uh, he goes out while Dracula is stuck in his coffin all day, uh, picks up the groceries, uh, does the laundry, uh, lines up victims for him to have that night. I mean, that's what he does. Well, Renfield opens with the Renfield character played by Holt uh, at a self-help meeting. He's at a meeting in which other people who are in uh, dysfunctional, codependent uh, relationships come to talk and get help, which I thought was very clever. Mm -hmm. That That is really a good idea. You got uh, me right now. I, I'm thinking this is going to be great. Keep going. And the thing is, is that Renfield doesn't go there to get help. 
Although as he's listening, he realizes that his situation mirrors these people. He's going there to figure out who who these people are being abused by. And then the abusers are the ones he's going to take to Dracula. So in a sense, he, he, he thinks he's justifying this, that he's okay. doing a good thing. So it's kind of like the Santa Clarita diet. I don't know if you've seen that. Right. Okay. Right, right. How do you eat? So who do we, yeah, who do we right. choose here? Uh, so, so that's a good idea. I, I like that. But as he's listening to this, he starts to really listen to the advice that he's given. And he realizes he's got to break away from this situation. Problem is, and this is all good. The problem is, is that this film devolves into a gory, stupid, mindless action movie. Aww. He crosses paths with a gangster. He falls in love with a cop played by my favorite actress, of course, Aquafina, right up there with Tiffany Haddish. And uh, she wants to bring in the gangsters and the gangsters target Renfield because he's interfering. So every 20 minutes, we get an action scene. One of those wonderful action scenes that are cut together so quick, you can't figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yeah. This is the sign of a filmmaker who doesn't know how to do action. We cut wow. it all together. So we get that like every 20 minutes. And if you're looking for a movie in which you wanted to see a man's arms ripped off and then those arms used to beat someone else to death, this is your weight is over. Okay. The violence is so exaggerated. They want it to be comic. They want, they want to hit that thing where it's so exaggerated. You laugh at it, but it just doesn't jive. And this is a problem I have with another movie we're going to talk about today. Um, the, the only saving grace is Holt and Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is great as okay. Dracula. He needs a better movie. He plays him as a petulant teenager, basically. Okay. Uh, he throws fits. He's angry. He wants things done his way. He's got a great sequence in which he's very sarcastic uh, as far as being sympathetic. And you can just see that he's just this teenager. You want to smack in the face because he's such an asshole. But the thing is, is that when he throws these fits, they're so violent that he is dangerous. So it's a weird combination of comic and danger there. And it's completely convincing. This, this Dracula is a true monster. A true monster. There's no sympathy there whatsoever, ever. So these two characters are in search of a much better film. I was bitterly disappointed by Renfield. Just really a complete waste of time. And when a movie is 93 minutes and it's too long, you got a big problem. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm, I'm so disappointed to hear that. I was really hoping that this would be a, a fun spin on the whole Dracula concept. There's a good idea there. They just yeah, it. yeah. I mean, the beginning of how you described it, I I was hooked. Yeah, uh, me too. And then you know the action starts, and yeah, just down the drain. Well, thank you for taking one for the team. You know, I, I have to tell you, um, last week we talked about Super Mario Mario Brothers, uh -huh. and I was reading somewhere where Super Mario Brothers movie is now the highest grossing movie of 2023 which is awesome, you know? <laughs> I've heard nothing but positive things with the exception of one of my physical therapy assistants said he didn't like it. So I'm waiting for everybody else, but everyone seems to really have a lot of fun with this. I still have not made it to go see it and I'm hoping that I do. So just thought I would share that little bit of information as you really seem to enjoy it. I did, but also I wanna remind people if they're looking for good movies in the theaters, in addition to that one, two that I liked more were Air, and Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So there's okay. good stuff out there. Uh, and I hope people give it a chance and that the studios give those films a chance, obviously Mario, but I hope they give Dungeons and Dragons an air a chance to stay out there and find an audience. Very good. 
Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Should we should we go to? I know one? you're up to bat. All right, I, I think this is the one that you didn't like because you were talking about over the top uh, violence. So let's let's go ahead and go with Mafia Mama. Is that the one you were referring to? Yes, it was. All right. Well, I I know you liked it. I did. I had a lot of fun with it. And I have a feeling that there, there's one major flaw with the film, and I think that's probably that what, what pulled you away from it. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, they portray all the males in this movie as imbeciles. No, I had no problem with that. Oh, okay. All right. No. Mm -mm. Well, this is a movie about a woman who uh, is played by uh, uh, Toni Collette, who I absolutely love. Her character's name is Kristen. And she's uh, a working mom. Um, she's got kind of a, a bozo for a husband. Her son is going off to college. She works in a, a lackluster firm where they don't take her. It's a misogynistic environment. They don't take her seriously. She is a caregiver extraordinaire. She walked, She comes home one day to find her husband having an affair with her son's guidance counselor and then somehow still finds a way to be nice and caring for her. This is... Tony Collette's character is over the top all the way through. And I accept this from the very beginning. And I think that's why I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, Kristen gets a phone call from Italy, something about some long lost grandfather dying and she needs to come to the funeral. And well, she doesn't really want to have to take the time to do that. She finds excuse after excuse. And then she realizes thanks to her, her best friend, Jenny, um, who says, you know, go, take this time, take it to yourself, go to Italy, have a, have a, a little eat, pray, love moment. And of course they do substitute the love for the word love with something else to have a little bit of fun. Um, she does go to Italy and she finds out that, well, her ancestral roots are a little different than she had imagined. She's actually the granddaughter of a mafia mob boss. Well, when any mob boss goes down, it looks like there is that seat at the, the table that's open and everybody else wants a piece of the pie. Kristen finds that she's maybe a little bit more less than nurturing and she's got a little different side to her and she ends up inadvertently finding her way to lead this family. Um, this is a very female-centric film. This is all about these this other woman with her that's leading the family. And that's one of your favorite actresses, who is? Monica Bellucci. And um, she and Tony Collette's character bond right away and they take the helm and lead the way. And they do it in a very female way. Um, it's crazy, it's over the top. There is over the top violence that is somehow, to me, it was comedic. Um, because it, it was inadvertent when Tony Collette's character of Kristen um, uses a stiletto to defend herself. Um, it was a bit gruesome, but again, I found the comedy in it. This is an escapism movie. It's got a touch of comedy. It's got drama. It's got action. It's crazy. And I really do think that it blends the gore and the humor together to give us an escapism movie that I just had a lot of fun with. And that is something that's playing in theaters right now. And I say, if you're on a girl's night out, I think it's a perfect girl's night out. It's a girl's night out movie. I can see that. Okay. See that? Yeah, yeah, that that, that works for me. That okay. Works. All right. Do you want to say anything else about it? No, it would just be mean. <laughs> you can be mean. It's okay. 
I, I just thought it was a one joke film and they didn't develop it enough at times. Um, and then I had a problem with the eyeball being plucked out and oh. rolling across the floor. I mean, I thought that was just a little too much. And I'm surprised you didn't have a problem with that because I know you usually do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you usually don't, so I'm surprised that you did. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it just didn't go with the comedic. It just, I, I don't, it just didn't mesh for me. Uh, I, and uh, I like both the women. I love Colette too. I mean, she can do no wrong. Uh, I just, I just wanted, I just, um, I don't know. I guess wanted a little bit sharper writing. That okay. It all played a little bit obvious to me. I do love when she brings the muffins to the mob <laughs> sit down though. I thought that was, that was pretty darn clever. That was funny. It that was. was. There, and I think there were a lot of moments like that, that, that just shows her true personality of being a, a caretaker and a nurturer. Yet she needs to take, take that that family by the reins and lead them and she's got that in her too yeah she has she finds it she finds she, it and 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 i did like that that it didn't come overnight and the other thing i liked that i wish they had explored more was she ends up being kind of like a robin hood and she uses all this mob power right to, to do good in the village and i really like that and i wanted more of that Okay. All right. That's I, I really enjoy that too. And and to me, and I had a chance to talk with the director of the film, Catherine Hardwick, and I told her I felt like it was a coming of age movie. You know, you got this 50 something year old mom and wife who wants to start a new chapter of her life. And I think we all find that when our kids leave the nest and, and we, you know, want to rediscover ourselves. So we have a new chapter. So to me, it was kind of a coming of age movie of things that I could relate to a little bit and finding a new version of you. We're always developing, always evolving into something new. Has that interview aired yet? It has not. I was going to say, I'd be curious to see that because I know she directed the first uh, Twilight film. Yes, she did. She did. In fact, you know what? Let's take a little break right here. And I'm going to have you listen to just a little bit of that interview that I had with Catherine Hardwick, the director of Mafia Mama. Catherine Hardwick, thank you so much for joining me on WCIA-TV to talk about your new film starring Tony Collette, Mafia Mama. Wow, what fun, <laughs> what fun this movie is. And I love how you can take our heroine, Kristen, played by Collette, and you flip the gender when it comes to mob movies. We just don't think about a woman as being in a lead for that, but you do that. But that's that's kind of a signature style for you, if I if I dare say that you like these strong female leads and this is no exception. Can you tell me about what it is about this film that you wanted to direct or maybe what you take into consideration whenever considering directing a movie? Well, when I read the script, Tony sent it to me because we did a movie together before, Miss You Already, with Drew Barrymore, and so I love Tony, and we had a lot of fun, and I'm reading the script like, oh my God, imagining Tony playing this part, and I was just laughing, I mean, I couldn't help but laugh as I read it and just think, this is a great journey for her. She's such an interesting character at the beginning because she really wants to people please, make her husband happy, make even the girl cheating on her husband, make her feel comfortable, okay? She's polite to her, her son and her bosses are not very cool, pretty misogynistic. They don't listen to her, they don't take her seriously, but she's never rude or anything. So when she has her one best friend that's like, 
dude, you should stand up for yourself. You know, you've got to go, you know, go to uh, Italy and get your beep pounded, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever. That's like that. I love her friend, of course, Sophia Nomvet is amazing. So I just love the idea that she's going to go on this journey to really find out and care about herself for once, find out who she is. But it's not just selfish. She wants to give back even in the crime family, she's trying to get drugs for the, you know, the elderly people that can't afford them. I mean, she's compassionate crime, I guess. <laughs> I think that's going to be a new term now, compassionate crime. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so there you have it. Uh, my interview, or at least a little bit of my interview with Catherine Hardwick. Um, hey, Chuck, what do you want to talk about next? You Have you seen something I haven't? Or no, this next movie we have both seen, Sweetwater. Do you want to take that one away for me? Sweetwater. Sweet, you know, I. Sweetwater tells a story everyone should know. Yes. Um, I just wish it did a little better. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, Nate Clifton, a film that I was not, uh, a name I wasn't familiar with, apparently was the first Black uh, player signed to a contract at the NBA. Uh, he's playing with the Harlem Globetrotters when we first meet him, and they have defeated the New York Knicks in 1949, who at that point were the world champions. Uh, this, of course, gives the Knicks coach, played by Jeremy Piven, in a rare sympathetic role. Right. Has he ever played a sympathetic role? No, right? And he was really good here. Yep, he is. He is. I believed him. He's always a schmuck. He's always an asshole. But here he's like, oh, okay, he can do so. He's got a little bit of range. <laughs> um, but as the coach, he wants to break down the color barrier. He knows that um, it's coming. He knows that black pairs, players are the future of the NBA. He, of course, gets a lot of resistance. Uh, the owner of the Knicks, played by Kerry Ells, he's in his corner as well. They sign Clifton. And of course, all sorts of turmoil uh, begins. Um, we also get a look at Abe Saperstein. Abe Saperstein was the guy who uh, created the Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, that was interesting. That could be a whole film. Couldn't fun. it though? Yeah. And just him and the whole history of that could be a complete film. Uh, and I was left wanting a little bit more there. Kevin Pollack is Saperstein. He does a good job. Um, you know, I liked about the movie were the supporting uh, veteran cast, uh, you know, Piven, uh, Els, um, Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, who's the uh, head of the NBA at that point. And he's usually a bit too much for me, but I thought he toned things down uh, perfectly for this. Um, the problem I had with this movie was the same problem I had with 42, the Jackie Robinson story. These stories are necessary. These movies are necessary because they tone things down to the point to where they're palpable for kids. They're okay. palpable for preteens. Uh, and it's necessary that they know these stories. It's necessary that they see these uh, these men and what they accomplish. But I think in, in, in making it palpable and not showing us the true abuse, the true trials that these guys have gone through, it kind of mutes then the triumph okay. in the film. You know, a sports movie, I need to be crying at the end. I need to be cheering at the end. I need to be emotionally engaged with these people by the end. And I wasn't here. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I was engaged. And I'm thinking, I'm getting teary. I'm thinking about it starts off in a cab and it ends in a cab. 
oh god come on that was the hokiest the i hokiest i fell for it i fell for it I, <laughs> I fell oh, for man. it and i and, and this is i didn't realize it was a chicago story you know yeah i didn't realize he ended up uh driving a cab there and, and passing away there i had no idea yeah and and i had never heard of him i mean it just goes to show you how much of history we don't know about and the fact that we aren't taught everything that we need to know and should know because this he's the founder of of breaking down the doors and allowing those those racial lines to be done away with why don't we know that well again black history that we don't know yeah history we don't know because you know who writes the history books you know who controls the media and that's why we don't know them which again makes me feel bad that i'm not recommending this film because this story needs to be seen i just wish it had more of an edge okay and i am recommending it because i connected with these characters i felt it got a little sluggish in the middle before he signed that contract i felt it spun its wheels a little bit it's too long yeah um, I think that could have been edited a little bit more that way. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I hadn't thought about the fact that, you know, this is kind of dampened a little bit so that we don't have the brutality that probably did occur on a daily basis. And we're not privy to that. That's really harsh and difficult to watch. But I think we need to watch that even as as teens. I think that teens can and should handle that because that's all part of bullying and seeing people as being inferior and you can't see others as inferior to you. So I think that is important. I I, I agree with you. Awesome. So another sports thing, you and I are both big fans of Ted Lasso. Uh, we're four episodes in now. Um, what's your take on what's happening so far? Uh, well, I think Episode five just dropped. So I watched episode five. Did you watch it? No, so no? Don't okay. I won't let you know. I won't let you know. Um, I watched it with my husband and Kristen, my, my movie going buddy. Mm-hmm. And we all said at the very end that there's something lacking this season. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that same connection. I feel like they're, they're going off on too many side stories that don't have to do with a team um, and more with the individuals and spreading spreading it out a little bit too thin. Um, I'm not as moved by it. I'm not, I'm not feeling as passionate about it as I have in the past. Um, I'm not as connected to it. And I'm not like, oh, I gotta see episode six. I can't wait to see it. So I'm a little disappointed this year. How about you? Yeah, there's something, there's something off here. And I don't know if it was because we had such a prolonged period between seasons, you know, um, that some, maybe some of the enthusiasm died because of that. Cause we had to wait a long time for this season. Right. Uh, right. So that, I think that might have something to do with it. And I think it's my own impatience. As you said, there's so many different uh, storylines going around uh, along that. And I like these characters so much. I want to see what's happening. Right. I want to see how things are going to develop. I want to see, you know, What's going to happen with this character? What's going to, and and I'm not getting that. I know there's a grand scheme to this thing. There always but, is. It, but but and and this season's twelve episodes instead of the usual ten. Oh, okay. going to drag it out even more. Um. So I I think it's I think they become a victim of their own success, quite frankly, um, because they've got us hooked, and I want that. Yeah. I want I want I want, I want the satisfaction, and I'm just not getting it quite now. So. So and yeah, there, there's a thing. 
maybe by the end we'll we'll reconsider things. I, I did remind both Kristen and Chris that um, we did have, I think, one episode in each season where it was like, why are we here? Why is this happening? Because it's doing nothing to bring the plot forward. So maybe maybe they just are going to have a couple of those this year, this season, and it'll come back around. I'm going to have faith in the writers and the directors and in Jason Sudeikis that I won't be let down at the end. I will keep watching, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm with you. Yeah, you have to give them that amount of rope. And I have faith they'll get us there, but just wish it moved along. So you saying this still after seeing uh, episode five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um, something that I do want to touch on very briefly. I know that you haven't started watching this yet, but I hope that you do. And that is the Netflix series called Beef starring Ali Wong and Steven Yeun. Oh my goodness. Talk about smart and creative. Um, everything comes full circle. I binge watched this. As you know, I have this knee issue going on. So I've got time to binge watch. And I watched it in two days. Yes, that's right. 10 episodes in two days. Um, it hooked My stepson really likes it. He's the first one who told me about it. It's it's crazy. I kept wondering, why is this called beef? So my linguistic flexibility must have been taken out with my knee because I forgot that the word beef can also mean I've got an issue with you. So that's what it is. Um, it has nothing to do with meat because I just, for some reason, thought it had something to do with beef. And the funny thing is, is they do mention Wagyu beef in one of the episodes. And then huh. here's something else about a hamburger and Burger King. And I'm like, okay, so we got beef going on here somewhere. But no, I was way off. And this is not to be confused with the uh, show about the uh, Italian beef place in Chicago. No, it is. It is not that. No, absolutely not. This is this is a lot of fun, though. It's smart. It's really well written, well directed, great acting. I have nothing negative to say about this series whatsoever. Watch it. Watch it. And then you can say thank you. OK, I'll get to it. Good I'll deal. All right. And that's it for us for this week on Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. Chuck, you are always on top of what happens for the coming week. What are we looking forward to next week? Too much. Too much, really? Too much. Next week. Too much. We've got next week, we've got How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Okay. We have the Jake Gyllenhaal War film, uh, The Covenant. Okay. We have the Joaquin Phoenix Ari Aster horror film, Bo Was Afraid. We have another uh, horror film redo, Evil Dead Rise. And then we've got a, a movie with Ray Romano called Somewhere in Queens. So a ton of stuff next week. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through it all, but we'll have plenty to talk to talk about. Very good. And hopefully I will be back on WCIACI Living next week. I'm really hoping that my knee is going to allow me to drive down to Champaign and I will see you in person where we can record next week's podcast in person, face-to-face. -face. That would be wonderful. You, you miss me, don't you, Chuck? Very much. You have no idea. I do too. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Till next week, enjoy the movies and we'll save you a seat.